You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today's episode is about the rehearsal loop. I'm going to be talking about how you can be 200% more productive while remaining calm and centred by mastering the rehearsal loop. Have you heard of the rehearsal loop? Maybe not. But when I explain these examples, you might pretty quickly get the hang of what it's all about. Here's a scenario. You're lying in bed, it's two o'clock in the morning, you're lying awake thinking of all of the things that you have to do tomorrow. You're trying to remember everything. You're mentally putting all of those tasks into a task list, into a logical order, shuffling things around, thinking about all the people that you have to see tomorrow. When you get up and you want to get all of it done and you don't want to forget anything, so you're going over it again and again. Sound familiar? That's the rehearsal loop. And even if you're not lying awake in the middle of the night doing that, maybe if you're not a nighttime ruminator, you might still be somebody who through the day is spending time thinking about all of those things on your to-do list, going over it, churning over things so that you don't forget. Do either of those scenarios sound familiar to you? That's the rehearsal loop. And what it means is you're constantly tossing around your thoughts. You're afraid of forgetting anything and wanting to remember all of the moving parts. It's something that happens in our brains. It's ruminating to keep reminding us of what we must do. And obviously it can keep you awake at night if there are too many things on that list or if you're just in that habit of being a busy thinker. I want to talk a bit about why this happens and how to get out of the habit of doing this so that you can be more focused, more clear-headed and way more productive and calm. So let's think about why we enter the rehearsal loop in the first place. If you haven't figured it out already, it's pretty simple. It's simply that when you don't write things down or have any sort of an external storage system, it's going to stay in your head and take up valuable real estate. And that's going to create that fear that you'll forget something. And so the need for you to constantly rehearse or remember what's on the list or lists. Maybe you have many lists and lots of things to remember. If things aren't written down or captured somewhere, then you don't have any visual cues. You don't have that sense of security that nothing will be forgotten. And that forces you to keep things whizzing around in your brain. It's an incredibly inefficient way of managing tasks. I know, I've done it thousands of times. And it means that you have a high risk of forgetting something or missing a critical step or making mistakes. So it takes a lot of time and energy to maintain that mental to-do list. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, sure, but I don't like writing things down. <laughs> I get that. Maybe there are other ways to do it, like an app or some other thing. But let's consider the consequences of you not writing things down. Or more specifically, the consequences of you staying in the rehearsal loop. Sure, it seems easier to store things in your brain, but when you're in the habit of storing things in your brain, it's going to rob your brain's ability to do any of those critical thinking tasks that you need to do each day, like making decisions. It creates a pile of mental clutter when you have all of this stuff in there and there's no room for much else. So you suddenly feel overwhelmed and disabled or disempowered because you're so busy churning over all of this stuff. Think about it. How do you feel when you're constantly burning energy trying to remember all of these things and all of these people and all of that stuff? How do you feel? 
I bet you're going to feel overloaded or overwhelmed. You're more likely to procrastinate. I know if I find myself vacuuming the spare room, it's probably because I'm trying to avoid making a decision or thinking about all of the things that I need to do and can't figure out where to start with. You reach decision fatigue easier. So constantly having this stuff in your brain explains why at the end of the day you may not even be able to decide what you're going to have for dinner, let alone how you're going to get everything done. It's just exhausting. And so you might think that the answer is to try to do more or to try to get organised, but it might just make things worse. So what's the answer? Well, there are a few things that you can do to get out of the rehearsal loop so that you can free up some brain space and get on with completing your tasks in a really efficient, effective and productive way. Work-life balance is really important. And so getting it out of your head and into the real world is the first critical step. So let's think about a couple of options for you to do that. And I would say that you could almost call these things work-life balance strategies. If you're a coach listening to this, watching this, then you know that one of the biggest benefits of coaching is that you, when you're being coached, you get all of the clutter out of your head. You get to verbalise it, to look at it, to problem solve it, to organise it, um, hear what, what it is and map out your next actions. The process of talking to someone about those things is really important. It clarifies so many things. And in the context of the rehearsal loop, you really need to get all of this stuff out of your head and stop carrying it around. So talking to a coach could be one way to do this. You really want to free up space in your hard drive, in your brain, for the more important and enjoyable things that you want to do in life. So working with a coach is one way of going, and I'll talk about that a bit later. But I suppose the easiest option for a lot of people is to start making lists. And I like lists in a diary or on a piece of paper so that you can physically tick them off. It could be a shopping list or a schedule, some sort of plan, or even just a mental download to get the clutter of thoughts out of your head. I tried using a digital system to, to keep my to-do lists but I found it somehow wasn't as satisfying as writing it down with a pen on a piece of paper and ticking it off. So, you know, it's up to you how you do it digitally or manually, but have a think and, and an experiment with what might work for you. The other thing too is that you need to be the master of your lists, not the other way around. So I want to explain how I do things and get organised. It's taken me a while to come up with this system and it just might help you. I started by categorising my weekly work tasks into four areas. There are administrative tasks, which are those kind of repetitive set and forget things that don't take a lot of time. And I have negotiable set, non-negotiable set times for those every week. Um, for example, it might be that every Monday morning I reconcile my bank account for the week previous. And every Friday I finish up all my emails and close down my email account with an empty inbox. So those sorts of repetitive tasks have set times that I do them. And I tend to choose times where I have the right headspace and energy for those sorts of tasks. The second category of tasks are the creative tasks. So they might be about creating content like this podcast or a bigger project that I'm working on like mapping out a course or something like that. 
I would tend to set a whole day aside for those things because if I have a meeting or an appointment on a creative day, then I find it really hard to get into that creative headspace because I'm thinking about what's coming up next. I really need that mental space with no other appointments to get the creative work done. So those sorts of things might be one or two days blocked out in a month. That's normally enough for me to do my creative work. The third category of things uh, is meetings. And those meetings could be actual meetings with people about business or about the boards that I'm on, or they could be inquiry calls, or they could be actual coaching sessions that I do, or membership calls that I have. So those meetings, and that also includes the contract teaching work that I do from time to time, they're around two and a half days of each week and a maximum of 10 sessions a week. I know that's my upper limit. If I do more than that, I'm a bit drained and a bit stressed, and then I start ditching exercise, not eating well and not sleeping well. So for me, 10 appointments a week like that, 10 meetings, uh, is what my upper limit is so that I can remain creative stay high level and stress-free. The last category of things are my on-the-business tasks. So these are irregular things that come up, but they might include something like revamping a course or setting up a new system. And I would generally block up a few days once a quarter for those sorts of tasks. It might be reviewing my policies and procedures. I know that sounds boring, but it's important to stay current, right? So I generally block those days out to help me to really think big picture, to map out the, the things that I want to do, the plans to get there and how to execute those things. And I do that in a focused chunk of time. So that's my fourth set of tasks, the on the business tasks, and they include my big picture planning for the whole of next year, for example. This is how it works on a weekly basis. So you can hear that I have some weekly tasks that are regular, some that are unscheduled because or I can't schedule them because other people are using my booking system and others that are blocking for big chunks of time. But on a weekly basis, I get up Monday morning, I come to my desk and I spend about 20 minutes looking at my week ahead, making sure that I have enough time and energy and brain space for those four types of tasks that I have planned. If anything doesn't sit right for me on the Monday morning in the week ahead, I'm going to move it or reschedule it or get rid of it. So sometimes things come up in a meeting and you realise that something you had planned for later in the week is now redundant. So it makes sense then to delete that task or to change the task. So that's part of that Monday morning 20 minutes, looking at the week ahead and making sure everything looks good. On Friday afternoon, I'll also spend the last 20 minutes of the day just reflecting on the week that was and look at what worked, what didn't work and what might need to change next week. So I will look ahead to next week's calendar, just get my eye in for the amount of work I have and that will allow me to truly switch off on a Friday and have a relaxing non-work weekend. In addition to that, at the end of each working day, I spend five or ten minutes just to reflect on what happened in the day how I spent my time, how efficient I was, uh, and maybe to look at the rest of the week and see if anything needs to change or if my to-do list needs to alter. So that's a total of about an hour a week, 20 minutes Monday morning, 20 minutes Friday afternoon, and five minutes at the end of each workday. 
And for that hour a week, my brain is empty when my head hits the pillow at night. Doing this every day is a game changer. And if I don't do that, if I don't do it consistently, if I take on more than I can handle, it triggers a cascade of negative habits like the rehearsal loop lying awake at night and not exercising, not sleeping well, insomnia, being tired, wanting more coffee, maybe drinking more alcohol. So this is really important for me for my well-being and also for my productivity and also for the way I show up and perform for my clients, for the, the amount of value I can give them. So the lesson I want to convey here is that it's really important to be getting the stuff out of your head and onto a list and to have a process of managing your lists. Your lists are only as good as the time that you take to reflect on, review and revise them each week. That's how you get lists that are realistic. That's how you learn to manage your own expectations. And that's how you learn to become more productive. Without reflecting on the list and getting out of that rehearsal loop and refining your list, you might end up still having a list but still being busy if you get my drift. And so this is where option two comes in for getting out of the rehearsal loop is to get some support because some people lack discipline or maybe find it hard to be accountable to themselves, find themselves forgetting things. And it can be really helpful in that circumstance to work with a coach. And it can also help you to just tease out the thoughts that are in your head. Um, if you're not sure of where to start, if your tasks seem overwhelming, you might need help to get them out, organise them, prioritise them and schedule things, work out what to delegate or even to just stop doing certain things that aren't really worth your time. Sometimes you need an outsider's perspective to do that efficiently. And that's really a key part of what I do in my monthly membership. It's about helping people to get their planning right at a more granular level so that there are realistic expectations so that you can develop set and forget systems and processes and so that you can run your business and your life with ease. Now, my membership's actually closed for the year, but if you're interested in joining me next year, hit up my contact page and ask about waitlisting for 2021. So we've talked about a lot already. We've talked about getting out of that rehearsal loop by getting it out of your brain and onto paper, having some lists, and then making sure that you reflect on, review and revise those lists so that they're realistic and you can manage the list rather than the list managing you. But there's one more thing that I've realized more recently that is incredibly important for staying in this great place. Because let's face it, the hardest thing is often being consistent. And I'm going to say that the other part of stopping the rehearsal loop and not slipping back into it is something that's often overlooked. It's about clearing your mind. It's tempting to think that all you need to do is to get organized and have a great plan and a schedule. But, you know, that's really fantastic. But if you get into this schedule, action, schedule, action mindset, and you get into the habit of cluttering up your brain with tasks and to-do lists, and you spend too much time there, then you're still going to be in the habit of collecting stuff. And you actually need to get a balance of having an empty mind to counteract all of the lists that you have going on in, in the physical world and 
the work processes that you're doing, if that makes sense. Maybe here's a good example. I know that when I burned out and left my previous company, I succession planned myself out over two years, but I found it really hard to slow down. And my husband and I moved to this beautiful seaside town. And yet I found myself in the habit of driving myself for 12 hours a day, not in the form of work, but in the form of chores. I was repeating the exact process I'd been in of being efficient and effective and productive and well-planned and executing. Suddenly I was painting the house 12 hours a day or digging up the lawn to plant a veggie garden 12 hours a day. Can you see the problem? My brain was stuck in that busy driving habit and in the absence of work, I was out of the rehearsal loop, but I found all of these other things to latch my brain onto to create the same busyness. And I want to point this out because if you are used to carrying things around in your head, that habit can be hard to break. Even getting things onto lists, your brain is going to want to find more clutter to put in there to keep that pattern of rumination going because it's a familiar habit. Your brain will feel uncomfortable if it doesn't have something to think about. <laughs> Hopefully I'm making sense to you, but you might have experienced this yourself and totally get what I'm talking about. So one of my really important realizations was that if you truly want to break the rehearsal loop, then you have to break the habit of creating mental clutter. And you can do that by counterbalancing that practical, structured, to-do list way of operating with enough creative flow. I was realizing that I didn't quite have enough fun and flow activities in my life to engage me and to distract my mind from wanting to accumulate clutter. Now, your flow activities are going to be really different from mine, but I want to give you some ideas that might help you to get clarity on how you could more easily clear, clear your mind and get out of the habit of collecting information and having too long to-do lists in the first place. And I want to talk now about how flow can circumvent the rehearsal loop. In other words, nip it in the bud. I believe that hobbies that absorb you are a great way to find flow. They inspire your creativity and they give you an alternative way of operating your brain than the rehearsal loop. Your mind wants to be busy with something, so give it something that totally engages a different part of the brain. Know that your tasks are written down, they're safe, and you don't have to ruminate anymore. And now you can let your brain have some time off and do something fun, something mentally liberating that's going to replenish your mind and give you a feeling of freedom and space. Flow was first described by a happiness researcher, Mihaly Sixcent Mihaly, I think I've pronounced that correctly. And he describes eight characteristics of being in flow, and they are that you have complete concentration. You have clarity of goals and reward in mind and you're getting immediate feedback from the thing you're doing. Time is transformed. Either it speeds up or it seems to slow down when you're doing this flow activity. You get this intrinsic reward from doing it. The task feels effortless and easy and yet at the same time you have just enough challenge and stretch combined with your leveraging of your existing skills. Your actions and awareness emerge so you lose this self-conscious rumination and there's a feeling that you have control over the task. 
it's extremely rewarding and satisfying. You lose track of time and you feel accomplished at the end of it, in other words. And so as you can see, any activity that involves mindfulness or being really present in the moment using multiple senses is likely to generate flow. So what sorts of activities might generate flow for you? As a little girl, I learned to play violin and piano and I had lessons for many years into my later teen years. And I was always driven about being good, driven about, driven by the need to reach a certain standard of performance. And I never quite met it. So I gave up the instrument and I haven't picked them up for a long time. But earlier this year, I decided I was going to become a good violinist. I'd read this great book called The Practicing Mind, which I highly recommend. And to be clear, I'm not worried about playing complicated high-level pieces or having advanced techniques. I just really want to make a beautiful sound. That's my simple goal, even if I'm just playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. So this has been a real game changer for me in two ways. The first thing is that I was letting go of having a super high-level goal and driving toward it. So I was changing the way my brain operates by thinking this way, Get, getting out of that drive to achieve mentality, which is often part of my work. And secondly, playing the violin is a hobby that facilitates both the physical act of mindfulness by slowing down and paying attention to the bow and the finger and using all of my senses to tune into my, what my body is doing. Another great thing is that the violin gets me expressing my emotions. As a scientist, I'm not really that much of an outwardly emotional person. They tend to be locked inside me. But I know through a career of, or a, you know, career of hobbies, I could say, <laughs> dancing and music, that the best musicians, the best dancers, the best creative artists are those who can truly let go and freely express themselves and their emotions. So the violin is also a tool for helping me to do that, to be less formal and structured and to give in to the feelings. I love the process of developing th flow through the violin because it feels like a metaphor for many things in life. It's using my brain and my body and my energy and my emotions together in concert to create something beautiful. Right now it's a little scratchy, but it's going to become beautiful. I know that if I can master the violin, uh, I, or I can master the violin by just practicing the technique, that's all I need to do is show up and practice just the fundamental basics and master them. And then I can be more emotionally balanced if I set myself free and go with the music and put the emotion into it to have that creative outlet. So for me, that's what flow is, and that's what helps me to counterbalance that very structured, list-driven way of thinking. Of course, this might not be you. You may not want to learn the violin, but there are other flow activities that you can do. They might include things like meditating, singing, writing, painting, drawing, playing a sport, gardening. We're talking about anything that engages multiple senses, requires a singular focus and mindfulness. So to be clear, I'm not talking about something that you can multitask with, like colouring in while listening to music. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that requires your full attention in multiple senses to develop precision or skill in an area. In my experience, having a truly absorbing hobby creates the counterbalance to that structured way of living, as I said before. 
It allows you to use your brain in a different way and to break that habit of relentless list building that can drive overload and overwhelm. A bit of fun, a bit of flow and using that different part of your brain. What could it look like for you? Let's summarise everything that I've talked about today. I talked about how the rehearsal loop seems like an easy way to get done, to store all this stuff in your head, but it actually saps your mental space, your energy and your decision-making capacity. It can lead to overwhelm. So the better way to go is to write down what you will do and schedule it. Beyond that, though, you might need to break the habit of creating busyness in your mind and in your schedule. So rather than transfer the referral loop into other areas of life, your antidote is to find fun and flow, to do things that are creative, engaging and uplifting, and to do those as a consistent habit. Then you will truly clear your mind and create the balance you need to be relaxed and calm, positive, inspired, and remain super productive at work. Like I said earlier, I do all of this stuff in my membership. So if you need help with this and you want a wait list for next year's membership, hit on my contact page and inquire. It's a platform for helping you to get really clear on your tasks and plan to overcome the overwhelm and the procrastination by getting some really simple structures and enough time for yourself to have fun, flow and freedom, work-life balance. Once again, thanks for being here today. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye for now.